So by now we have been uh, actually speaking about all four foundations of mindfulness already. Starting with uh, the body breathing, first foundation, feelings, second foundation, uh, mood of the mind or quality of the mind, third foundation, and then we have been speaking about the hindrances and the fourth, the four noble truths, and um, I don't know what else, but you know, different lists of. Uh, Dhammas. Dhammas uh, um, is, is the word in Pali for things. Dhammas with a, with a small d. And Dhamma with a capital D is the teaching or the truth. And Dhamma with a small d is yeah, conditioned phenomena, things. And for example, you know, the hindrances, that's a list of things we can find in our mind or not. Or... For our truth, any any mind objects aside from feelings and moods of the mind, anything else falls in the fourth category in, in dhammas. So basically, you know, we can uh, start slowly to realize that there is that which is unchanging, which is awareness itself, the knowing or you know, the boundless um, awareness, sometimes also called emptiness. And then there is those things which move through, those dhammas, those clouds, the sky and the clouds, or sometimes also compared with the, the deep ocean and the waves on top of the ocean. They're constantly changing, but they are not different from the ocean, but they have a temporary shape which arises and ceases. So slowly you know, we're approaching that um, recognition that they're not the same. And therefore we don't have to hang on to them needlessly more than you know, what is naturally just moving and changing. We don't need to make more out of it. But of course, we habitually we do, and we, we, first we need to really see that for what it is and how we create our own suffering because of this. Because once we have that seen really deep enough, letting go is the result of that deep seeing. That's what, what Vipassana is all about. So with samatha, you know, the mind gets still and clear to a certain degree, doesn't to have to, you know, become kind of super blank and rigid or anything like this. Just, you know, reasonably still. Just let the mud settle by not stirring the water more. And then it will settle. And then we can see the habitual ongoings in the mind. And you know, they slowly lose their grip on us. They lose their fascination on us. Disenchantment sets in, like us waking up from the dream. And when we were, this morning we were chanting, you know, leaving distorted dream thinking far behind. 
it's not going to necessarily stop the dream thinking, but we don't make more out of it. We don't hanker after it. Not by forcing ourselves not to do it, but by just getting disenchanted with the whole thing. Because we know this, it's just so repetitive. And very often, you know, it's not at all rational, but it's rationalizing. So we, we start to just see it's not worth it, really, to get caught up and, you know, get depressed about it or elated about it to those degrees we, we tend to. And our culture, you know, kind of encourages us to look at all of the advertisements. They are typical, you know, um, product of this making more out of everything. Suddenly, you know, a, a clothes washing powder becomes, you know, the gateway to happiness and things like this. <laughs> it's obviously you know, real just rubbish. But people making millions of dollars with it, you know, and on top of it, you know, destroy the whole planet by pumping it into the water everywhere. And then, you know, the, we drink it and then we get chemical sensitivities that we can't even use incense anymore, you know, and all of that. It's, it's pretty kind of self-defeating, really. And that's all only possible because of this, you know, unawareness. So it, it might sound funny, but actually it's actually not at all funny. But then ultimately it is funny again, I must admit. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when... Well, Ayanala Bodhi was saying, you know, there's those birds which, you know, we have been seeing, we are doing regular beach cleanups at Aloka Vihara where we live in San Francisco. And then we, you know, we have been watching some um, um, YouTube clips on, on, on this uh, Pacific garbage patch, you know, which is uh, somewhere not too far from Hawaii. And it's, it's a patch of plastic garbage, you know, which has the size of Texas, believe it or not. You should really kind of Google it when you get back home, so you feel a bit energized, you know, for practice. And it's not visible directly because it's a bit under the surface, and, and there is, there's islands there as well. And we saw pictures, you know, of albatross babies who have been dying because the mothers have fed them lighters and toothbrushes and pieces of plastic were all in the stomach, tons of it, you know. Imagine eating a toothbrush even as a human being, leave alone being an albatross, is so big only, you know. So it's crazy. I mean, this is how it's, you know, this is where this mind has got us. So it's really... Uh, I mean, I don't know what to say, really, but in, enough to imagine to eat a toothbrush, you know. You can imagine. And then they die from hunger and from, from thirst. They yeah, punctured stomachs, you know. And because the mothers, they see something, or they see something big, looks nice, you know. Don't have a clue, of course. So this is how we are, too, you know. Oh, that looks really nice, let's buy it, you know. 
so no. So and I think um, it's all interconnected, you know. I think the best thing we can do is, you know, to become more independent from this, uh, you know, this vulnerability we have to be manipulated because we don't see things clearly. That's how it, you know, how we can kind of turn around, like mind turning, turning the mind towards Dharma rather than towards pleasant and unpleasant, you know, just running after, endlessly, running after, you know, trying to find some ground under our feet where there is no ground. And ultimately speaking, we are, in terms of, you know, of Dhamma, we are lucky that we are in this situation now where the earth itself, you know, makes us stop. That's why we have put a picture of the earth on the shrine, because we consider her as our teacher more than ever before. Because a teacher, you know, what the, the function of the teacher is to reflect back to you your ultimate nature and also what you're doing, you know, both. So that you can uh, wake up and at the same time, you know, feel energized to start opening to the pain of, you know, seeing how confused we are. How totally out of touch we are with the way things are, how we, you know, live in a way which is we're defeating ourselves. Even, you know, like little birds, they, when they have to uh, you know, go to the toilet, they, they don't do it into the nest. So we are pretty kind of disconnected. And I'm not in touch with ourselves. And the meditation is a, is a technology to, 
you know, guide us to come more and more in touch. There's those four different foundations as kind of guidelines. And if we can, like, you know, return to those again and again, then wisdom and compassion will blossom, blossom forth just by themselves. And then certain things one, one just can't do anymore, not because one wants to follow the rules, but, you know, the, the sensitivity has been uh, laid open again. One is again able, you know, to see the connection between oneself and, and nature, not, not seeing oneself as separate, but just part of it. Because the conditioning tells us we are on top of it and we can use everything as we want to. But this is complete dream thinking. We have to leave it far behind. We have to cut it off on the road. Because it's not true. So there's these two gateways, you know, to happiness. The gateway the Buddha is offering is the, the Dhamma door of, for example, impermanence. And then the gateway which, you know, our society is offering is to buy a new car, for example. You choose what, which one works. I personally gave up after my third car a long time ago.
knowing that you are breathing in when you are breathing in and knowing that you are breathing out when you are breathing out. And when the mind and the body are reasonably balanced, neither con- too contracted nor too distracted, then we can just open up and listen to the silence in the room. Which doesn't end actually at the walls of the room, but is just endlessly pervading the ever-expanding universe we are part of since a long time. And since 14 billion years the whole process is going on, it said. And there have been always, you know, hurdles which the evolutionary process had to adapt to and always did. 
This is just another one. And we are here to be part of it by opening ourselves to this much bigger intelligence which pervades our body and awareness as as emptiness which is this quality of, of knowing and clarity. Sometimes it's also compared with a mirror. It's just reflecting it back, the whatever comes in front of it, without any additions. Just that. And from that clarity, the response arises. which is not just centered on me and mine, but comes from a much bigger picture of understanding the interdependence of all things, of all dhammas with a small d. And then it becomes very clear, you know, by um, looking after oneself, one looks after others. And looking, uh, looking after others, one looks after oneself. It's, there's no difference. There's no boundaries, ultimately.
when you notice the mind contracts around a story, thinking about past and future, hopes and fears, you notice it just come back to listening, just for this session. You can think afterwards. I'm just learning how to be without this gripping on to something, familiarizing yourselves with that groundless ground. And this is exactly what the, is the definition of, of panya, of wisdom in Buddhism, to, you know, to link into this groundless ground. And the definition of faith or sada is the ability to let go into it. So it's not a body of knowledge, you know, having read all of the books, but it's born from inside. The books can be a support because they show us the right concepts, you know, to use as pointers. But then, if we are not following those pointers, it's kind of pointless. So the capacity to be in suspense, basically, of not gripping on to anything, that's the measure of wisdom. But not in terms of, you know, avoiding or escaping or tuning out. That's not what is meant. It's often like that's what's called the near enemy because it looks like kind of like it, but of course it isn't it. It's not it, definitely not. It's being fully with it, but with an open hand, not grasping.
This is what is called also in the teaching, you know, the suffering which leads out of suffering, the suffering you know, of deconditioning oneself, as opposed to the suffering which endlessly you know, leads, leads us in circles. So we, we can choose. The suffering which is like the discomfort of working oneself out of old habit patterns and you know being with the not knowing, being with the uncertainty, that's difficult. And then there's this other suffering which we are so used to, which comes from grasping, not getting what we want or getting what we don't want. Also a lot of pain, but not much growth there. If we don't do it with full, in full consciousness, full aware. So in the beginning, you know, starting to practice after the... Uh, honeymoon period is over, it can become pretty uh, tough, but it's worth it really because it's accumulative. It will be, at one point then it will become easier. It might take some, some years, but it's worth it.
And this emptiness we are touching into by listening is not a lack of something. It's like a fullness of potential, really. It's brimming with potential. And this sound of silence, which you know, some of us can hear, it's like the, somehow you know, uh, connecting in with this, uh, the vibration of this uh, awareness, which then flares forth with 100,000 things which are rising and ceasing. Some of them stay longer around than others, but they all are impermanent. Only awareness itself is just what it is. It's the unchanging, the uncreated, the unformed, Because it's hard to say what it is, we can only say what it is not. That's a way of pointing again. Just rising above the sinking mind and resting. I'm going to ring the bell now. <coughs> so, it's for another walking meditation and interviews also. And just try to stay connected. Prachna Paramita, the mother of all the Buddhas. Because this this realization which gives birth to an enlightened being. That's why she is called the mother of all the Buddhas.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.